Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark and coming up on today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Johannes Roberts, the up-and-coming British director that right now has released films like 47 Meters Down and most recently The Strangers Pray at Night, the sequel to one of my favourite horrors, The Strangers, which still scares the crap out of me every single time I watch it. And the sequel did not let me down at all. It's a great, great film and I urge you all to go and check it out. And this director has huge, huge things ahead of him. So I'm so thrilled that he's going to join me on today's episode. Now, before we get into today's episode in more detail, what I do want to do is talk about the last episode. So I was joined by another up-and-coming British director, Tom Payton, and the episode did very, very well. The feedback was great. I got to read loads of Facebook comments and tweets and Instagram replies and emails. And what I did is I forwarded them all on to Tom because Tom is a very cool guy. He has a lot of time for the fans and he sat there and read them all. And me and him were kind of reading them and sending them on to each other. And it really did make his day. So thank you for everyone that took the time to listen, that then went and checked out the films like Pandorica or Redwood. And, you know, to go on there and leave Tom reviews on his IMDb page is a huge, huge thing that I know he'll really appreciate. So thank you all for listening. But hey, let's get on to today's episode. As I said, I'm going to be joined by Johannes, an up-and-coming director that I think is going to be absolutely huge. He's got this absolute perfect eye for detail when it comes to kind of directing films and to see the response that's gone down and the reviews for the Strangers sequel, I think he's going to go on to be huge. So I'm very excited that he's joined me today and without me kind of blabbering on and talking loads of rubbish, let's get straight to the interview. So here you go. Okay, so my first question for you today is, when you were growing up, did you want to be an actor or a writer or a director? Did you have a quite clear vision at such a young age? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I, do you know what? I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be J.R. Tolkien, um, to be honest. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever answered that in, a, in an interview before. Um, yeah, I was, obs- I, I was a bookworm nerd uh, and... When I read Lord of the Rings, my, you know, it just sort of blew my mind. And I just was obsessed with the whole fantasy world. And really, that's just a precursor because Lord of the Rings is a horror, you know, book. You know, people are firing heads over the battlements. And, you know, you've got sort of ring race, which I, I, I you know, took and used in, in a movie I did called F. I really sort of referenced all that kind of stuff, but in a horror world. So, yeah, I wanted to be a, a, a novelist, and I would write, you know, I'd write stories about um, dwarves and goblins and stuff, uh, and, um, yeah, do you know what, I, I I sort of just fell into the film, well, I, because of, you know, after Tolkien, I discovered Stephen King, and then um, I absolutely fell in love with that world, and then through Stephen King, I discovered the King movies, and, you know, John Carpenter and stuff, and then found that screenplays were the outlet for for my for my writing for my storytelling brilliant so at what age did you then kind of think i want to be the guy behind the camera and try and capture this in my imagination but as a as a context for a film yeah i think the first time i realized oh yes this is this is what i want to do and i uh, this is wh- how i want to go ahead is actually watching uh, Louis Tick's Cujo, adaptation of Cujo, and I 
just there's a, just the most amazing sequence where you're misdirected um, and and you sort of feel that you're in the dog's POV and, and you're really coming up behind Dee Wallace. He's sort of half in, half out of the car, and you're like, "Fuck!" You know, she's going to get. And then the dog comes in through the side window, and it, it's just so beautifully well constructed. And I remember, as, I think I was probably 16 at the time, I was like, um, yeah, this is, I, I love what this guy is doing here. And and, then, and it just, yeah, I just thought, fuck, yeah, this is where I want to go with it. You know, I want to I want to take my stories, I want to I want to scare people and tell those kind of creepy stories. And um, uh, yeah, so, so it's, it's a reasonably early on, I think. So you obviously mentioned John Carpenter, who I believe is an absolute genius. You've mentioned Stephen King. That's a really good list of influences. Now, you then went into doing horrors of your own. So you've got the Roadkill TV movie, The Other Side of the Door. And one of the most recent films that I saw was The 47 Meters Down. Was that kind of influenced for you by the whole Spielberg's Jaws? Or was it something else? Because it had that kind of... It didn't matter, I don't think, it, that it was the shark. It could have been any creature. It was the fear factor of just being so isolated on your own with nothing around you. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a two-pronged thing. Yeah, I mean, I remember when, when doing the publicity for that, obviously I had to talk about Jaws a lot. I like Jaws a lot, um, uh, but it's it's not... Um, it was not the primary reference for that, um, for that movie, is I... When I was growing up and getting into these, you know, getting into movies, the the one sort of subgenre that used to I used to absolutely adore, or all the idea of it I used to adore. I they never really kind of nailed it. Was was the underwater one? Was the abyss? Was Leviathan? Uh, Deep Star Six? That, that, you know, there was a period of time where they were doing these um, underwater things, and I was I just loved this underwater world and. And then I became, I'm a diver now, uh, and I um, just, you know, I love the underwater world, which Jaws is always, you know, obviously not about the underwater world, it's about the surface. Um, and I was just obsessed with this sort of landscape, uh, you know, deep deep under under the ocean. Um, so that, that's really where it, it, um, uh, it came from. And, and I'm obsessed with sharks as well. I love sharks. I'm always a little bit... Um, torn in terms of uh, because I, you know, sharks are, I think, such beautiful creatures and we do such horrendous things to the world that I, I'm like is, am I am I adding to it by creating a movie like 47 Minutes Down or am I inspiring some someone to, to love sharks like I do by watching a movie like Jaws where you, you're kind of like, oh, they're so scary they're kind of cool. So I'm always a bit torn on that but um, yeah, you know actually the, the references Beautiful. Now, there's quite a lot of horrors coming out every year. Obviously, we get an influx of remakes, but we also get some good original films like The Babadook, which I really enjoyed, The Descent, Dog Soldiers. But I genuinely put The Strangers up there as one of the best horrors in the last 10 years because I feel the threat is real. It's not some clown that really has stupid magical powers. It's someone knocking on your door and terrorising you. So what was your thoughts when you first got to see the original Strangers? Yeah, I loved the the first movie. I, I I think what the first movie did that really hasn't been done since, or certainly not to, as well, is just that 
most incredible uh, opening to a movie. You know, you really believe in in that couple. And Brian's writing is, is he's a really good writer. You know, it's phenomenal. He's a really good director. Um, but but you know, the, the script is just really beautiful. You know, just what what a concept. Uh, you know, a, a, a guy asking a girl to marry him, and, and she said no. Yeah, and the, and you know the movie starts with them going back to the romantic cottage. It's just like a genius concept, uh, and then you know sort of working its way all the way to the end, where she's touching the ring that she that that, that you know she had tried on, um, uh, and it just it was beautifully, really, really beautifully done. Um, so yeah, I I, um, I I'm a big fan of that. I the, where I think. Brian and I would would part, you know, on, on paths that we go. I'm not quite so nihilistic, you know. I, I find the 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 end of Strangers tough. Um, you, you know, it, it's very dark. It's yeah. very dark, and, and 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 my sensibilities are not so dark. You know, I, I the the way I would always explain it is, I think I think Brian's. If you ask Brian, his his you know, the movie that would inspire him the most, it would be something I would guess, I, I can't say this for sure, but something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Whereas if you were to ask me, it would be, uh, it would be you know, Christine or The Fog. Um, you know, it would be a very John Carpenter, slightly more fantastical and, and, and less less bleak um, reference, I think. But I, uh, but I love the first movie, I think it's great. So, at what point were you approached with the sequel? Because obviously, as a, a huge fan of the first one, you must have been a bit intimidated by the whole fact of, oh, well, they're quite big shoes to fill, and to do a sequel to such a classic is is dangerous for some, you know? Not everyone would want to touch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, do you know what? I, I just I finished 47 metres down, um, and I was... Um, I was just doing dinner with the producers and they, they said, look, the, the script of the movie had been kicking around for 10 years, to be honest, in development hell. And they said, look, we've got the rights to it. If you want to read it, you're interested. Um, and I read it. Uh, yeah, was obviously very well aware of that. This, this could be uh, horrendous for my career. Uh, you know, or, or just people, you know, uh, people could really, you know, hate at a real potential to have a bad backlash um, and I I just I saw a potential to do I always wanted to 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 really to go and have some fun with a retro with retro style filmmaking getting the zoom lenses out the box do, doing doing a um, uh, you know and, and, and sort of playing around with some of the old Carpenter movies and, and just really um, having fun in that side of things, and I really saw potential with this movie to do that. I was like, yeah, let's 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 try this. Um, you know, we'll pay homage to, to the first movie, and then and then take it off in its own um, direction. And it, and, it, and it kind of works for that. But yeah, it, it was believe me, I was very nervous that because it was tricky as well. It's like, is this a sequel? Is it a reboot? Because Ten years is a long time in the horror landscape, and, and it was like, you know, most of the audience that are going to come to see this were too young to see the first one, certainly in theatres, you know, so it, it's like, you know, where are we going with it? So it was, it was a, 
You've wrote and directed most of your main releases, especially like 47 Metres Down. What was it like taking on another person's screenplay? Was that quite easy to adjust or would you prefer to always kind of have the ownership of everything that consists to make a movie? No, not necessarily. Um, it's, um, you know, as a, as a writer-director, it's, it's great because, you know, I can then bring that skill to a, a screenplay um, because you know the what you get is you know you don't you never get a script that's um, that's production ready you know and so you have to then as a as a use your skill as a writer to, to be able to make that happen. But um, uh, the yeah, it's very, it, I like working on other people's material because it, it's it's sort of very liberating. You know, I I, I used techniques and. Um, uh, styles that, that I think maybe I, I wouldn't have on, say, a movie like Other Side of the Door where I'm so close to the material and so personally involved in the material. Whereas with this, because, uh, you know, there was a slight distance with it, I was able to be much freer with, with the styles and the tone that I used. So yeah, I, think it's, I think it's fun. I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, uh, if a good script comes across my desk, I definitely relish that. And what was it like working with someone so established like Christina Hendricks? I mean, one of the best actresses I know from TV. I was uh, obsessed with Mad Men. Just, you must have absolutely loved it when the casting call was for her. Yeah, it was. That was a that was a strange one in that um, uh, 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 most times with movies, you really have to you have a list and you you go down the list until. <laughs> you find someone that says yes it's just the way of it you know um and this is a really weird movie and that literally it just sort of came together so quickly um uh christina we we would went out to cast and i think even before we really went and and sort of did any lists or anything uh christina uh, it had come across to christina she she loves the first movie and she was like Look, I just want to be in this. I want to be in this movie. So she 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 jumped on board, and um, uh, yeah, it was, she's she's a very strong woman, you know. So she, there would be times where I'd come on on set, and I'd be like, "Hey, Christina, well, you know, how about we do it this way?" And then she'd just stare at me, and I'd be like, "Oh, oh, you do it your way." You know? <laughs> um, but I loved her. She's she's um, she's the real deal. She's she's great. Um, and just yeah, so she's got just incredible. When you put the camera on her, it's just amazing. Um, and she's yeah, she's. Um, I've never worked with anybody quite like her actually. Uh, um, I, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I'd love to work with her again. And what's the future looking like for you? I know that is there a forty-eight meters down in the works at the moment. Yeah, we've got the script there, and we're, we're all greenlit and ready to go. It's the descent underwater, basically. Um, it's a group of cave divers trapped in an underwater city with sharks, and um, that's going to be fucking scary. So, yeah, we'll we'll probably start shooting that. I've got a movie to shoot first called 13 O'Clock, I think. Um, hopefully that's going um, sort of now, imminently. And then I think once that's done, then we, we look at 48 metres. That's quite exciting. The descent meets Jaws underwater. That's that's pretty sold it to me already. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be. I learned to cave dive while I was doing forty seven meters down, and I 
most terrifying thing in the world. It's just, it, it's insane. Why people would do that as a hobby, I don't know. Um, and yeah, adding sharks, it's, it's, it's going to be a pretty scary movie, that, that for sure. And for anyone that's listening to this podcast that's thinking of getting into the film industry, what sort of advice can you give for anyone that wants to be a film director or a filmmaker like yourself? Um, don't, don't be afraid of, of your influences. You know, the thing that gets me through the day, you know, and I get a lot of flack and I've, I've, had, I've, had, I've had a lot of bombs and, and, and bad reviews and, you know, time not working and all that kind of stuff, is, is, is remember why you, you got into it. And, you know, I got into it to be Stephen King. I got into it to be John Carpenter. Uh, and, you know, embrace that. It's, I'm always amazed when I chat to someone and, and they say they want to be a filmmaker, and I say, oh, well, you know, who do you, who do you love? Who do you, you know, get up trying to be? And they're like, oh, no one. I, you know, I just, you know, and it's like, oh, well, I always find that strange, you know. Yeah. Be whoever you want to be, whether it's, like, super cool, you know, whether you want to be Tarantino, or whether you want to be, I don't know, the Farley Brothers or something. <laughs> just, you know, whatever, whatever your love is, um, you know, just sort of embrace that and... and um, and it'll come through, I think. That, that would be my advice, you know. And work, always work. Just try any, any, you know, just any anything you can do. Just keep, keep just trying to put a camera on something and then other work will come. My final question for you today is, what do you think about the model at the moment with stuff like Annihilation going straight to Netflix and big films from... Um, you know, literally mute went straight to Netflix. Are you kind of loving the way that the industry is changing and not everything's going straight to the big screen or are you kind of against it and would you prefer that your releases are always seen on the biggest screen possible? Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty lucky in, in that, in that the last, I think particularly the way I'm, the, the movies that I'm doing are, are really, are really big screen orientated. There was a great article basically calling them drive-in movies you know, that there's communal experiences. Um, uh, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm massive about that. I, I think that's, that's, that's the way it should be. But yeah, I mean, you know, things are changing, you know, Netflix have, you know, a bigger than all the studios put together, I think. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a weird one, you know, watching, watching, movies like Bright that cost you know huge sums of money or Annihilation um, and, and they're you know they're doing their brief cinema thing but then they're, they're all about Netflix um, and that's yeah it's a, it's a it's a crazy changing world I don't know what I feel about it to be honest I mean the great thing is is with Netflix the, um, you can make movies that never could, could have been made before so I, I sat and watched Gerald's game the other day, which is just phenomenal. But that that could, you know, no one was ever funding that really for a big screen. Um, and um, uh, especially, you know, over the last few years. So um, uh, it's great to see that, that, you know, there's an outlet for a slightly offbeat, you know, uh, experience like that. Um, but yes. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what the next sort of five, ten years bring to the world of cinema. Um, uh, but it, it, it's definitely, it, it's, it's becoming a tougher and tougher landscape to get your movies out onto the big screen, which is maybe a 
shame. You know, I'm not a big fan of comic book movies, and they just are just sucking the air out of the room, and that's a bit sad. So it's great to see something like Quiet Place sort of cutting through that. I've I've only just seen that this week, and it absolutely blew my mind. I can't believe how good that film was. It just I just was yeah, left speech great. amazing. Okay, so my next final question. Um, looking back, is there a film that you would love to have remade in your kind of career? Is there something that, you know, would... It's a difficult one because you wouldn't want to ruin an absolute classic, but is there a film that you would love to have a go at remaking? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got, there's a couple... Uh, there's, I always try and get Sony to let me remake Christine. Oh, um, yes. Which is why I did Strangers. Um, yeah. Because Strangers really riffs off Christine a lot. Um, and, and you'll see it in the movie. It, 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 it's, it's a director who's just wanting to make Christine. Um, and yeah, I, I absolutely adore that movie. And uh, I think it would be fun to do it. I, I'd probably, if it ever came to fruition, I'd be terrified because I absolutely love the original. Um, but um, yeah, something like that would be would be would be great fun. Um, and you know, maybe tackle. I, I'd love to tackle something like Leviathan, where you know, something a movie that wasn't quite so successful in its execution, but was was great fun when I grew up as a kid to watch movies like that. So um, yeah, um, I, I am I'm open. I'm open to uh, to uh, uh, redoing some. Thank you for your time today. I wish you all the luck with the release in the UK of Pray at Night. I've seen the film, I absolutely loved it, and um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, Chris. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. It was great speaking. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Johannes, and it's so, so cool that he's joined me. And as you know, I will never turn down interview opportunities, so it was so great that this one came along. I wanted to get it recorded, edited, and out there straight away, especially as the film right now is out there in UK cinema. So I thought, what better timing is it that get it out there right now so it's nice and fresh? As always, everyone, I really do appreciate your feedback. I know that it takes a while to kind of jump on social media sometimes and find the time to leave comments, but it's why I do it. I read every single tweet, every Facebook comment, every email, anything that you send, I will read. I'll retweet you, I will send it out as much as I can to the big wider world, but just to know that you listen and enjoy the episodes is amazing, and to know that I'm already on episode 32 blows my mind. It's it's insane. The good thing right now is I've got some more episodes recorded over the last few weeks. I'm going to be delving into the music kind of industry again because after speaking to IMX and Kat Von D, I got this real taste of speaking to musicians and bands again. So with it being a pop culture podcast, there's no kind of boundaries. So I'm really looking forward to getting them out there for you in the next few weeks. I have got a Patreon site up there, Um, I've got about 26% of my first target achieved now, so everyone that's kind of pledged so far, please keep it coming because it really is appreciated, it means I can invest in more equipment, I can get train fare to go and interview people all over the country, I invest it all back into the podcast, I don't make any money off it, so every single Patreon that signs up, it really is a huge, huge help. And again, you've probably seen on there right now, there's competitions to win t-shirts, there's competitions to win Funko Pops. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I value you all and give you opportunities to win some really cool stuff for that money that you invest. So as I said, as you know right now, episodes are coming really fast, so expect a new episode in only probably one or two weeks' time. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope you all have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you all again soon. All the way down, all the way down.
should still.